0: Hey, it's Damon, with a quick note of thanks to some new Who Am I Really? podcast supporters. Jonathan, Jack, and Jonathan recently added their support for the show on Patreon. It's an online platform where you can make donations to creators and artists whose work is meaningful to you. I was in my Patreon inbox the other day where I read a comment from Donna who said, I can't express how therapeutic your podcast is. I gain something almost every episode. I think your show has done more for me than any therapist, and I mean that sincerely. I'm really glad to hear that, Donna. It means the world to me to get feedback like yours. If you feel like Donna, Jack, and John do, please make time to go online to patreon.com slash WAI really, and become a supporter of the show. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash w-a-i-really. Okay, are you ready for this week's show? Here we go.
1: I was holding back the fear that she would hate me, that she would never accept my decision, and that she would have grown up to be Devastated by what I did, and then to have know that she had siblings out there and to say, You know, why did you give me away? Who
0: Who am I? 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 This is who am I, really? a podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today you're going to hear from Kristen, whom I spoke with from her home in Minnesota. Kristen was a multi-sport athlete in high school, even competing while pregnant with her daughter. She tells the story of giving birth, placing her daughter, then needing years to get her life back on track. In one incredible year, Kristen learned that her birth parents were looking for her, Her daughter wanted to find her, and that reunion can bring closure and healing while revealing unbelievable coincidences. Kristen talks about some of the right decisions she made in her life and some of the missteps that she wishes she would have done differently as a parent. This is Kristen's Journey. When Kristen and I spoke, she was fostering a baby girl. Her goal was to reunify the baby with her mother after some serious interventions and coaching to bring out the young lady's maternal instincts and critical thinking for motherhood. Kristen has fostered more than one child for young mothers and has even experienced the adoption of her own grandchild. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, let's start with her own beginnings. Kristen, born in the 1970s, suspects that adoption wasn't very prevalent nor very accepted where she lived. Her adoptive parents told her she was adopted from an early age and always made it feel cool and special while portraying adoption as normal. Her baby book has a birth announcement that read, I wasn't expected. I was selected. Kristen said she didn't feel any stigma around adoption.
1: My parents actually adopted me after their firstborn passed away. And in their early 70s, I don't think the life-saving techniques that they have now were available then. And so she was premature and she passed away just a few hours after birth. And my parents were kind of warned that, you know, if you attempt to have more children on your own biologically, that it's very possible that the outcome would be the same. And so they actually signed up to be foster parents and really hadn't thought about adoption. But one day they got this phone call about this five-week-old baby, which happened to be me, and they were asked, you know, instead of fostering, have you ever thought about adoption? And so they maybe thought about it for two minutes, and within a couple hours they were driving to get me. So they did go against doctor's orders two years later, and then they had a little girl And then five years after that, they went out against doctor's orders again. And I do remember this one because I was seven years old. And I remember my mom, she worked really, really hard the first few months of the pregnancy. But the last few months, she kind of was a little bit bedridden and really had to watch herself, but they had a little boy. So I do have one sister and one brother that are biologically born to my parents. Mm -hmm. So I'm the oldest of three and I'm the only adopted one.
0: Got you. Very interesting. And how did you fit into the family after the two biologicals were were born? How'd you get along with your siblings? How'd you get along with your parents?
1: Actually, I nobody would have ever known that I was the adopted one. In fact, we used to laugh a little bit when people would say, oh, you look like your mom or you look like your dad. And we would know absolutely 100% not possible. I was blonde as blonde can be. And my dad is Italian. My brother and sister look Italian. They look like my dad. I don't I don't look like them and so appearance-wise that was the only difference. Growing up, I was never ever treated differently than the other two. None of my parents' friends, family friends, anybody ever treated me differently. But what we did notice as I got older and the other two got older I was more interested in nature and being outside and at the age of ten they got me my first horse and that led to chickens and cows and sheep and you know all these things and we joined 4 H and my projects were always the animals, the outdoors, the gardening and that sort of thing. Whereas my sister was always the sewing and the drawing and the fine arts side of life. I think my brother, as he got older, he realized I was more fun so he kind of glommed on to me so my brother and I seven years difference were best friends growing up my sister I mean of course we were super good friends and we loved each other dearly but we would spat now and then and you know normal sibling rivalry I guess but the nature versus nurture definitely started to come out around 10 and 11 years old for me that's really
0: Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny to hear those differences of you being sort of a cultivator, nurturer, and her being this artsy creator, right? Mm-hmm. Those, are, yep. those can be common differences, even in siblings who are you know, Absolutely. naturally related to each other. But it is yeah. sort of underscored when you have adoption in the picture to see just how drastically different people can from one another. That's really, right. really interesting. Huh.
1: Right. My parents owned an art gallery. They my dad worked really hard, three jobs, and they had this dream of owning an art gallery and a frame shop. And so when I was 10, we moved out into the country. He built a house and they made the gallery part of the house. So it was it was so my parents were always home 24/7, but they had their business and My sister would be the one in there who was always enjoying the art and meeting the people, and I was the one who was getting in trouble for doing cartwheels through the gallery because I might break something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You had energy and you were on the go. That's really cute. Kristen attended school in a private Catholic high school system where she was pretty active. She was in the marching band and jazz band, playing everything from French horn to percussion instruments and keyboards. However, many of Kristen's friends were athletes. She had been a competitive gymnast from 4 to 14 years old. Then, she was a three-sport athlete in high school, competing in volleyball, basketball, and track.
1: My grades were always good. I got along with absolutely everybody. I had the occasional skipping school moment, as does everyone in high school. But it was just really, really, really typical high school years. It was halfway through my senior year that I did also get pregnant with uh, my very first daughter as well. So I tried to hide it for really for as long as I could. I was kind of torn. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know where to really look for support. And I don't know if that's typical of the parenting at that time, but I didn't have a lot of like the birds and the bees talks. I didn't have a lot of life lessons in that manner taught to me. So when I discovered it, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to finish out my basketball season and it's going to go into track season. And so I was, you know, I was a pretty slight figure back in, in high school. And so when track was coming, I hit the weight room two hours a day. I practiced my running. And so it was the, actually the night of my 18th birthday when I could no longer hide this little tiny bump that was growing. And that I, that's when I decided to tell my parents. And it was met with a lot of frustration and disappointment. And, you know, I don't really know how else to describe it. It got real quiet for a couple of days in our household. And finally, my mom one day looked at me and she just like, what are you going to do, Kristen? And I said, Mom, I am adopted. I am 17 years old. I know that I cannot parent a child at this moment in time. And I'm going to place her for adoption. And so they were very much supportive of that. I knew I had a great upbringing. I had everything I wanted. I didn't lack uh, in any way, shape or form growing up. And so that's what I wanted to see in the parents that were, you know, that I wanted to place my baby with. And so I decided I should probably tell the school And being in a private Catholic high school, telling the school was a little different. My religion class was morality. And I did get dismissed from that class because clearly I was lacking. And I had to write a paper on, you know, adoption and what I was going to do and that sort of thing. And it was really, really eye-opening at that time to research adoption, but also then to go through it at the same time.
0: Kristen found an adoption agency the same one her parents had adopted her from. The agency provided her a counselor who gave her pages and pages of profiles of potential parents for her unborn baby. In her 17-year-old brain, Kristen was hoping for trivial things for her daughter, like hoping she would have a puppy or that she would be an only child so she would be completely spoiled. She narrowed her search down to one family, partially because they had been waiting years for a baby to be placed with them. Kristen carried on with high school, getting phenomenal support from her peers, some of whom selected her to be the track team captain. She said the staff were good to her too, but they had an image to uphold for the school community. So they did try to keep her pregnancy quiet.
1: But word did get out. And so the hiccups I ran into were parents of other students who would call in and say, she has a baby bump. She can't go across graduation stage or she has a baby bump and she can't go to prom you know just just things it was clearly image things that were driving some people crazy and mm -hmm, very judgmental but you know at 17 and being pretty strong I was just like okay well that's their issue not mine and the school also stood up for me and said nope sorry she deserves this just as much as anybody else yeah yeah so I did all the things and I graduated high school and yeah, and had my um, baby shortly after I graduated.
0: Wow! Can you tell me about the time of giving birth to her and placing her? How sure, was that sure. for you?
1: So I chose to go through a volunteer agency for a birth coach and someone to hold my hand, just to help with not having a bond. I just I knew this is what I wanted to do, but I also knew that if everybody got attached, because I did have some family members that would look at me and say, how can you give up your flesh and blood? And that was the common phrase that I heard from a lot of people. And you know, that was the hardest phrase. I had an uncle who said, I'll buy you a car. I'll get you an apartment. I'll help you do the things. And that was hard to turn down. So I had a birth coach who helped me through everything. And then when I went into the hospital, she was there for me that day and I gave birth. And then I named her Kayla. <laughs> and this kind of goes back to my 17 year old age as my favorite show was days of our life. So I named her Kayla. <laughs> 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 um, and I had her for those three days and I fed her, changed her, you know, picked out her going away outfit, that sort of thing. And my parents came, my grandparents came. My sister, brother, friends, teachers, like, they just all came and would hold her. And it was the only time, I think, that I've ever seen my dad cry. Was he held her in front of a window, and he just stood there rocking her for about 15 minutes. And then he handed her back, and he walked out of the hospital room. And that was that. Wow. Yeah. And so when it was time to leave, that was probably one of the hardest parts of my journey was leaving the hospital alone. You know, everybody else has wheelchairs covered in balloons and plants and outfits and I had nothing. I I walked through a dark hallway and out to my my parents' waiting car and I went home and that was it. That was it. It was over. Mm. And uh, the hospital did find out that I was placing for for adoption and in those days this was probably easy for them, but they wiped out my bill, my entire bill. Which is pretty hefty, you know that having children, um, in the hospital. So that was very kind of them to do and it was over just like that.
0: Wow. So you're mm-hmm. at the end of your senior year, you've mm-hmm. given birth to a child that is mm-hmm. going off into the world you know, it's summertime and presumably it should be like this awesome moment of graduating high school and, and, you know, looking forward to what's coming next, but you've relinquished a child and placed her. Mm -hmm. It must've been a heavy summer for you.
1: It was a very heavy summer and little things triggered me. For instance, Guns N' Roses came out with that song, Sweet Child of Mine, Mm. and it triggered tears and it triggered a lot of lonely moments. And it took a lot of self-talk like you're doing the right thing for your child at this point in time of your life with the knowledge that you have mm-hmm. you know i i was very lost i tried college it didn't work i wasn't thinking straight i wasn't ready to study so i quit after a year but each year that passed it got a little easier it was a closed adoption so i was not getting information i didn't have pictures. I didn't hear anything. I had no idea what was, you know, going on in her life. But it, like I said, it. T- it took about three years, I bet, before I would stop crying at that song, or s- be able to hold another baby. I had. N- I did not want to have anything to do with other children, uh, especially young ones. So it affected me, and it impacted a lot of what I did and how I thought.
0: May I ask, as an adoptee who mm-hmm. was pregnant? and Mm -hmm. placing your Mm -hmm. child for adoption. Did you reflect on your own adoption in that process? Did you sort of wonder, like, I wonder, did my mother have to go through this? Or I wonder how this was back then when I was born? Did you have that sort of parallel reflection that coincided with your own pregnancy?
1: I did all of the time. And I also took into consideration uh, my background because the time was different. The era was different. And you know, I've, I've done so much research and mine was not a forced adoption. And I get that question a lot. I made this decision 100 percent, but I often wondered, like, did she place me? She was only 15 years old. Did she voluntarily do it? You know, did she involuntarily do it? Was there pressure on how many sides? So every single aspect of my placement, I wondered about hers.
0: After she attempted college, Kristen got a job waitressing. She met tons of people in that job and one of her customers could see Kristen's potential and told her point blank.
1: You're too smart for this. This is not where you belong.
0: Kristen's next job was as an administrative assistant with a construction company. She got her contractor's license and built homes for a few years. Then Kristen transitioned into the corporate world, taking a job at the Mayo Clinic. But she found that the rules and structure of corporate life weren't for her. At 28 years old, Kristen went back to college and paid for her education herself. A full 10 years after placing her daughter for adoption, Kristen was finally getting her life back together. Finding her way forward and trying to reestablish a foundation for her life ahead, Kristen had several reasons why she didn't want to start a search for anyone.
1: I did not initiate the search for either my biological parents nor for my biological daughter. In fact, there's a reason behind that because when I was about two or three, my parents had a couple, a friend couple that had an adopted daughter. And at the age of two, that birth mother came back, took them to court and did that whole scenario. And she actually, she got her daughter back. And that affected me even at such a young age, like remembering how traumatic that was for everybody involved. I don't remember any of the details. I just remember how, remember how traumatic it was. Yeah. And so my reasoning for not searching for my parents or my daughter was because I did not want to walk into somebody else's life and upset that apple cart. Did I know if she had a perfect life? No. Did I know that my parents may or may not be together? Yep, I recognize that. But I just... Didn't want to do that to somebody else. And like I said, my life was fine. I was picking up my pieces of my life. I was moving on. And did I want to upset my own apple cart, so to speak? So, yeah, in the same year, I got the phone call from the agency and they told me, your birth parents are looking for you. And shortly after that, they told me, your birth daughter is looking for you. And so I started out, they sent non-identifying letters, you know, so I first found out about all the physical aspects of my parents. My daughter was wondering about my physical aspects and my upbringing and all that sort of thing. And so it just kind of moved into what was very logical to me. I created email addresses and we communicated via email for a while. And finally, one day I was like, okay, I'm ready. Are they ready to meet? And so we set up meetings for both sides.
0: Maternal and paternal? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm only pausing to keep it straight because you've said that both your parents and your daughter have uh-huh. reached out. So we're going yeah, so to on out. the parents right now.
1: Okay. Yeah, we'll wow. focus on the parents. So they actually, my parents eloped when they were 16 to a state where you didn't need parental permission and come to find out I had two full-blooded sisters that were born like a year and then two years after me and what makes it even better is there was this girl that I worked with and she looked like me so much like me people would say you walk alike you talk alike you put your ponytails up alike, you laugh alike all these things and we would look at each other and be like oh okay well fancy that and finally the day for the meeting was set up at Applebee's now keep in mind this is kind of a big deal people get wind of adoption reunions and it's a big deal because they want to see the emotion they want to see if it's happy and not so happy or you know whatever the outcome is and so here I walk into Applebee's and there were balloons and there sat this girl that I worked with Shut and she's up. my sister. Oh
0: my <laughs> god! Are you kidding me? I am not
1: kidding you. Oh my god! Not gosh. kidding you.
0: Where <laughs> was it that you worked together?
1: Um, just at a bar where we were waitresses.
0: Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could yeah. you see it as people were pointing it out to you, and they were like, you know, you walk like that. Could you see, like, yeah, yeah you, you're right. She does kind of.
1: It's kind of. Yeah, weird. we we saw it for sure. We saw it, and uh, that I think was my first inkling. Like, huh, there's something more in this universe. I don't know what, but there is. And But like, we, we just kind of laughed it off. But before I met her, there was the person who walked to me up to me in a department store that said, hey, you drew my blood yesterday. I want to tell you, you did a really good job. And I'm like, oh, I don't draw blood, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. So oh there she gosh. sat. Mm-hmm. And even better, because I was in a private high school, our conferences were set up differently. And so they and I competed against each other. In high school, as athletes.
0: Are you serious?
1: Yeah, very serious.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. What sports were you guys playing against?
1: Volleyball, basketball, and I did track, and I believe they did softball. But so, yeah, the volleyball and the basketball.
0: Oh my gosh. So there were days when you were on the field in competition with your (laughs) sisters,
1: trying to beat Mm -hmm. them. Right. Not knowing it.
0: (laughs) Your little sisters are there. That is so daggone crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. So now, yeah, we look at pictures now, and the, the one sister and I that people get confused, we could be identical twins very easily, or pretty close. That,
0: that is mm-hmm. so bananas. Wow. Mm-hmm. Have you yep. Have you gone back to look at the, the win-loss record to see who was the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the winner between the siblings?
1: No, I just always tell them it was me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what a big sister should do. You know I want right. that one. <laughs> right,
1: right. Uh, yeah, so the connection with the two sisters and the birth mom were the, my first part, and they did end up, they were married for 15 years, and then they did get divorced.
0: Wow. So, so wait, before you go into their sort of future, can you just tell me, share a little bit about walking in to this reunion with the balloons and, and seeing this this woman that you've been told you look alike. <laughs> just tell, take me through what this reunion was like at Applebee's.
1: Well, I, I remember sitting in my car for a while because I just, you know, I almost had that sick feeling, that nervous feeling of... What am I walking into? What am I doing? How is this affecting me? And, you know, I'll be honest, I had to go to counseling for a little bit prior to all this because it was very overwhelming to me. So I finally got out of my car and I'm walking up to Applebee's and I, I opened the door and just every weight staff is just standing there staring. And so it just was really, really heavy in a, in a good way. And I looked around And I saw her sitting there and I thought, this can't be real. There's what? And then I saw the balloons and then I saw uh, a woman, an older woman. Now granted she's 15, so she's not that much older than me, um, sitting there. And then I saw this other girl and they all just were staring at me. And then the tears started on their part. And, you know, like I said, I had a tough time wanting to go look for everyone. So my emotions did not kick in until I physically like reached their table and and touched one of them and then it was like oh my god these are my sisters and this is my mom and we're together for the first time ever and it's okay (laughs) you know it's okay and because I knew the one the conversation just went from incredulous to like can you believe this and oh my god we're sisters and can you imagine growing up together and how much fun we have working together? And then, you know, my other sister joined in, in the conversation. It was like, we never were not raised together. That connection, and it still is today, was so strong. That sisterly bond and that, and I will, I will admit it was much more stronger feeling with the two sisters than it was my birth mom. And we all still have wonderful relationships together right now as it is. But that day, the emotions didn't start high, but wow, did they end high. And wow, did I feel like I have a whole nother family out there and I'm part of it. And it has been a long time in the making, too, because now at the age of 51 this year, I spent the first Christmas with them ever.
0: That was this past was. Christmas 2021? Yeah, just this past Christmas. Wow. Mm-hmm. So when did, what date did this reunion take place at Applebee's?
1: It was about 1998,
0: 1999. Wow, you're right. That is a long time coming. You yeah, reunited with them in '88, and you just mm-hmm. spent the first Christmas with them. That's mm-hmm. quite a while. Wow. Yeah. Tell me more about the not as close bond to your biological mother. Is that because the bond to your sisters was just so strong, there was almost no room for it? Which, or was it was there sort of a a trepidation between the two of you? I could see how she would be very nervous to -hmm. know know that you were the one that was relinquished and these are your your two full-blood sisters and and she and your father stayed together. Tell me a little bit about where the tension lie between you and her finding a, a closer bond.
1: Yeah. So I think it was a combination because of the seriously strong bond that I had with the sisters and the fact that I had an amazing upbringing, and so when I called my mom and dad, mom and dad—that's that's what they were to me. And so I think the issue laid in me and my expectations, or what I thought hers were, because I knew I could not walk into this restaurant and just say, "Hi, mom." I couldn't do that. In fact, I've just started. Calling her mom. And for a couple of years, I'd be like, oh, I've got two mamas, you know, and that sort of thing. And I don't know if it was a little bit of guilt. Now, my adoptive mom was all for me meeting them. She never made me feel guilty. She never made me feel like I would be hurting her or my dad's feelings. That sort of thing never happened. So I did not have to deal with that. And I know a lot of people do, but I did not have to. It just was a harder bond to grow. And It started to grow when she experienced breast cancer and then I did. And so uh, there were things like that that just made our bond grow stronger. And, of course, I love her dearly now and I care, you know, about every aspect of her life. But that did take quite a few years to build.
0: Yeah. It's a a natural challenge Mm -hmm. to have, one, had a great adoptive life and then, two, to find that the first family stayed together and you mm-hmm. were the one who was relinquished into adoption. And then, three, probably to see how close you were to her other daughters. It's so challenging to be immediately connected to everybody all at once equally. It's just, it mm-hmm. just doesn't happen.
1: It doesn't happen. And so I
0: could see as young women in 1998. That you guys would have been so into each other and just incredulous over what you had already been through Mm -hmm. that it would be like, oh, and there's mom, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, that's wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
1: And then, you know, I would start going to family reunions. Like, I would go to reunions with their family, well, my family. And I would see people whisper like, oh, there's that, there's, there. she's the one, she's the one right. or there she is, you know, yeah. it was, it was, it was amazing. But what I also love doing, and a lot of times I did this out of respect for them because they were proud of me. You know, she would tell me like, you're a wonderful young woman and we love you and we want to show you off. And so I would go and let her do that. I did that for them. Mm-hmm. Not so much for me because it was, a, it's, it was overwhelming, mm-hmm. but yep, I'll be there. I'll be your daughter. I'll be good with that. I'm fine with that.
0: Kristen recognized that her birth family, who had another daughter just one year after her birth, wanted to include her. Of course, for Kristen, there was something fulfilling from knowing that she was accepted and wanted in reunion. Keep in mind, her family found her. She didn't search for them. Kristen admitted she made it easy to be found, updating the agency through which she was adopted with her new address or phone number when either of them changed. Of course, since she was updating the adoption agency she was placed through, and she used the same agency to place her own daughter, that meant it was easy for Kristen's daughter to find her that same year.
1: It was kind of all simultaneously via the emails and stuff. And with my daughter, before setting up the meeting, I finally gave her my phone number. And I said, when you're ready, you can call me and we can talk about meeting and that sort of thing. And One summer day, I was outside and my cell phone rang. And I answered it because I didn't recognize the number. And all I heard were two little words with what I remember and thinking was a very small little girl's voice. And all she said was, hi, mom. And it was quiet. It was silent because she was mine, you know, and and as a birth parent, that's a voice you want to hear. Someday and sometime I had hoped I would hear, but to hear those two little words out of that, and she was an adult, 18 years old, say hi, mom, and it was all over, (laughs) and we spent hours on the phone talking, and it was very easy, and I had questions about her upbringing, and of course, the questions I had were, were you an only child? Because that's what I wanted, and she said yes. I said, did you have a dog? Yes. (laughs) grew up on a lake and she grew up spoiled and she was only forty five miles away from me. So we talked on the phone and a couple times and finally she said, You know do you want to meet? And I, I said, Sure, I'm ready. And so she set it up where she worked and she was a waitress at a restaurant. And so she set it up and she said, You come here and I said, Okay and I said, You have brothers and you have sisters or one brother and sister. Do you want me to bring them along? Yep, please bring them. And so I walked into the restaurant, and the owner knew who I was and what I was doing. And he met me at the door, and all of the other wait staff were kind of watching over his shoulder. And he said, She's downstairs. And so I had to, to gather myself, and I went down these stairs and came around the corner. And there she stood in blue jeans and a pink sweater. I'll never forget it, looking just like me. (laughs) um and when you see your daughter for the first time it hits you it's your heart and she just raced right over to me and just put her arms around me and put her head on my shoulder and we just cried that was the only natural thing I mean that was it it was natural just cried yeah and she's called me mom ever since she comes over and she's like in her holiday cards and now the tables have turned for me and people are like, Oh, there's the one you had in high school. And like all my high school reunions, they all, you know, everyone wants to hear about her and everyone knew everyone was with me for every single day of my pregnancy. She, you know, she, she was very athletic. She was very outdoorsy, very much like me, a hundred percent like me. And she just right into our family. And it gets a little chaotic because I have six children now and she's the oldest of the six and she was grown uh, or she was raised as the only child. So I think there's days when she was happy to leave our family gatherings. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that break, in a humorous right? way. Yeah, yeah just yeah, for
0: the break. Right. Like, geez, that's <laughs> chaos. right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But she loves them all. And, um, you know, my kids just look at her as their older sister and they know about adoption and, you know, and what it means and stuff like that. So. But they just look at her as their older sister. That's all there is to it. They don't really ask a lot of questions like why. I've explained it to my older kids because they do understand my, you know, my decision making process. But Kayla, her parents named her Courtney. And so but Courtney was never mad at me. She never said she felt resentment. And I was that was the biggest part I needed to hear was almost that was the final thing that I needed to forgive myself. Because there is a certain level of guilt when you place a child. And so for her to say, I'm not angry, I had a great life and I thank you for life. And so that's, that was what I needed. And that kind of released me.
0: When you say it released you, what did you feel after that? How do you mean that? What were you holding back that got released?
1: I was holding back the fear that she would hate me, that she would never accept my decision and that she would have grown up to be devastated by what I did. And then to have, know that she had siblings out there and to say, you know, why did you give me away? So to speak, why didn't you keep me? And yet I have these brothers and sisters, you were good enough for them. And you know, all these questions that I hammered into myself, she just made me feel good about my decision and the guilt kind of left at that moment.
0: Wow. Wow. It's so interesting, too, because you sounded like, as a young woman, you had talked yourself into, I am making the right decision for me at this moment, Mm
1: -hmm. yet
0: there was still guilt, as naturally there would be, and for her to come around years later and say you made the right decision for both of us at that time, I mean, that validation is unreal. That's real. incredible. Yeah. Wow. My gosh. (laughs) I'm over here. I have the lucky good fortune of being able to turn down the microphone so when I'm wiping my eyes (laughs) and sniffing over here as if I was at the (laughs) reunion you know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I just I can't even think of a person that I've spoken with that has been so deeply a part of every part of the adoption constellation as you have. It's mm-hmm. really, really fascinating.
1: Yep. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Unreal. It runs strong through yeah. my family. And yeah. it
0: keeps going. You, you don't have to. Keeps
1: on going. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you don't have to share this if you don't want to. But tell me okay. if you choose about you mentioned your daughter placed her own First. child with your sister. So there's a kinship. adopt. Tell me a little bit yep. about that if you choose. Sure, sure. So
1: the hardest part of me placing my daughter in a decision that I made and it was I look back now and I think it was wrong. I chose not to tell my older girls that they had a sister. And I I don't know why I chose that, but I did. But I also had a big scrapbook of my days in the hospital with her. And so at the age of fifteen or sixteen, my oldest daughter found that scrapbook. And she brought it up to me one day and she said, mom, what is this? She said, this is you and you're really young. And it was pictures. And I said, yeah, that is me. You have an older sister. And I placed her for adoption and that wrecked my daughter. In my daughter's eyes, she was no longer the firstborn. She was no longer my oldest. It hurt. It hurt her really bad. And so She made the decision to start self-medicating and numbing this hurt and became very much an addict, a drug addict. Mm. And so we dealt with that for a couple of years and and we had to rebuild our relationship. And I spent a lot of time reassuring her, you know, you are the child that I cut my parenting teeth on. You are in my eyes, my my first child i just because i did not raise my other one doesn't mean she is my you know first child and i don't mean that in a mm, crass way or anything like that
0: yeah it's complex Um, yeah
1: it's complex and so but at the age of 19 and several trips uh, through treatment facilities she came out to the addiction end sober and when you come out sober there are a lot of things that you have to work on and that means working on yourself but that is also when she discovered she was pregnant and she didn't tell me right away we do we, you know we had a really open relationship and that sort of thing and i was helping her rebuild her life you know helping her get an apartment and getting a job she she was a really good worker though and she'd always had a, had jobs but she still needed coaching she was still a teenager and I would take her to doctor's appointments and that sort of thing, and finally one day she looked at me and she's like, Mom, I have something to tell you, and I'm like, okay, but I already know. Well, how do you know? And I said, I'm not blind. (laughs) And so I said, you know, and and we had the discussion, I'm glad you told me. What are you going to do, Lindsay? And she said, I'm on the fresh end of recovery, and I know I cannot parent a child. I want to work on myself. I want to be a successful adult. I want to be a contributor to society. I cannot raise a child. And so I said, well, I can help. How about, how about I, you know, raise her? And she looked right at me and she goes, are you kidding me? You have five other kids. No. (laughs) And at that same time, we found out my adoptive sister and her husband could never have children of their own. And so Lindsay said I want to place my baby for adoption. And when she heard about my sister, she called up my sister and she said, "Auntie, you know my history. You know I've been an addict. I've treated myself good while I when I found out I was pregnant, so there's, you know, there's no issues that way. But I want to help you build a family if you're open to it." And they absolutely crumbled with with joy and the opportunity and excitement and so they went through the pregnancy together right after Lily was born. They came right up from Kansas and they were there for the three days in the hospital. They all, three of them bonded together. They named her Edith and then they her middle name is Tiger Lily so they respected Lindsay's first name of her daughter and then My favorite story growing up was Peter Pan, and my favorite character was Tiger Lily. So she is Edith's Tiger Lily. And so it's just been a beautiful thing. It was a private adoption, but it's been very, very open. And that little girl is going to be 12 this year. And to this day, to see all of them together is amazing. Edith knows she's adopted. She calls Lindsay her little mama, and she tells everybody the story. Because it is beautiful and because it's worked out so well and it's been so open. And Lindsay will tell anybody who asks her, no, I do not regret this decision. She has a three-year-old little boy now. And so him and Edith, Edith knows that that's her brother. And it's, it's really been
0: beautiful. Kristen's granddaughter is being raised in a kinship adoption. Her sister, Lindsay's aunt, is Edith's mother. Kristen says their family is working everything out, there's never been any overstepping of boundaries, and there's some shared decision-making as well. Kristen's sister has been open to Lindsay's opinion on decisions, from enrollment in gymnastics and cooking classes, to just calling Lindsay up for opinions. That's really wonderful, because not Mm -hmm. everybody's able to do that.
1: No, no.
0: Sometimes the child comes into the home, and there's this mind mentality, right? Yep. Okay, I got it. Bye. And for her to be in a place of being able to sort of speak openly with Lindsay and communicate about parenting, really their daughter, you know, Mm -hmm. collectively is Mm kind of awesome because not everybody has the ability to sort of look past themselves all the way through to the best interest of the child in a genuine way. And that's really
1: incredible. Right. Right. And I just, I just feel like if people would look at children as children and not objects, then maybe the mind mentality would go away. But I think that's a long road.
0: I think that's mm-hmm. right. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's challenging because in most cases, like in yours, this was a kinship adoption. So there was a very yep. direct connection between Lindsay, mm-hmm. her, is that her aunt, mm-hmm. her daughter? Like there's a very clear lineage of the child's placement and ultimate parenting. And when it's not that clear... I feel like it becomes very transactional in many ways. Right. And right. that can subtract from a person's ability to recognize the humanity of what's going on. Right. And not everybody falls into that. Some people are really no. good at it, but some folks yep. aren't. Wow. Ooh, Kristen. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. My mind is <laughs> reeling as I think about you and your family. Like I said, you have been, you're an adoptee. You have placed mm-hmm. a child for adoption. You have mm-hmm. been found by your birth parents, found mm-hmm. by your your biological daughter, and you have your own daughter has placed but is in a kinship adoption <laughs> relationship with her aunt. And <laughs> I know we didn't talk about this here on the show, but that you're basically in a foster situation right now as well. I mean, oh, yeah? wow.
1: And I have opened my home to two teenagers in the same situation and held their hand while they've, you know, if they've chosen to place for adoption. And, you know, I I had one that lived with me whose parents did not do so well with the news. So I welcomed her into her, my home and have helped her through the same situation. And 18 years later, they had a reunion as well. So. mm
0: -hmm. Oh, that's really great. This (laughs) has been unbelievable, Kristen. I'm so grateful to you for coming on this sort of Share a sure. little bit about what you've been through because I don't think a lot of people get to see every element of what's possible in adoption and reunion. And I'm, I'm really sort of glad that you've had the positive experiences that you've had, especially for those that are, you know, so coincidental. And right. <laughs> I mean, wow. To find that your parents had stayed together and that you had been competing against your siblings and working <laughs> next to one. I mean, God, I just – This has really been a memorable interview with you, and I'm so glad that you came on to tell your story. Thank you so much, Kristen.
1: Uh, I'm so um, pleased that you had me on, and I'm so proud to be here, and I I love sharing my story because I do believe it is beautiful, even with the ups and downs. It's a beautiful story.
0: I agree 100%. Have you thought about writing a book?
1: I have, actually. I have thought about writing a book. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I'd be happy to chat with you about it. Okay. If you are interested in any input, it's a challenging, it's a challenging endeavor, but I think it's really worth it because not only does it get you to think through all of your emotions and sort of reconcile things, but the act of jotting it down, writing it out, and putting it into sort of a cohesive. Storyline for other people can be so valuable for your own healing as well as for the the that of others and for documenting the family's history too. Right, that's a right. huge important point, and and I mm-hmm. think that that's going to be really cool for you guys to have going forward. Kristen, thank you again. <laughs> this has been <laughs> thank amazing. you. Good to talk yeah. to you. Okay, take care. All the best to you. All right.
1: righty thank you so much.
0: Yeah, hey, it's me. Kristen has lived so many elements of the adoption experience. She's an adoptee who grew up in a wonderful family and she was a young mother who placed her daughter for adoption. Kristen is in reunion with her birth parents who found her and she's in reunion with her own daughter, Courtney, who located Kristen that same year. Finally, Kristen's next oldest daughter placed her own child in a kinship adoption, keeping her daughter, Edith, in the family. It was heartbreaking to hear Kristen's story of leaving the hospital alone after watching her father cry as he held his granddaughter to say farewell. But how amazing was it that Courtney was able to find her birth mother and validate her decision for placement? And of course, how surreal to have competed against her sisters athletically, been mistaken for her blood sister around town and to walk into that reunion to see her coworker was one of her full blood siblings. I was sad to hear that Kristen and her mother's bond came after both had battled with breast cancer, but it's a good but it's good to hear they did eventually make a deeper connection. Kristen's story is so full of incredible mini stories. It's hard to believe, but it's her life, and I'm glad she took time to share her journey with us. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you found something in Kristen's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn, Who am I, really?